How's it going, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. This is episode 206 of the pod, and this podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front. Now, as always, before we get into today's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so, and if you have questions or concerns about your gambling, or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. So no summertime winners and losers today. We're strictly looking at the EPL slate before talking some NFC North with my guy Cole Rains from over at the Off the Ball Network. Tour Championship is on. We did bet Sepp Straka today to knock off Emiliano Grillo in round one, which hit... But other than that, we will be recapping on Monday as well. We got to focus on the footy front. So let's look at match day three. And and where are we starting? Well, it's that Friday matchup between Chelsea at minus 425 versus Luton Town at plus 1100. Two winless teams squaring off, but one has spent a billion dollars more than the other. And so Chelsea are at home. You would think a victory would be all but inevitable. But a spread pick with the form that Chelsea is in is also one that I'm seeing a lot of on the timeline. Now, Luton having just their second match, being on the road, winning at Stamford Bridge is tough. I would not be looking at that plus 1,100 at all. Plus one and a half, maybe plus two if you can find it. I have seen plus two at minus 143. But other than that, I think Friday might be a stay away on the EPL front. Now, when we get into Saturday, we've got Bournemouth plus 265 versus Tottenham at minus 105. And Bournemouth... They have just a single point in their first two matchups, whereas Tottenham with an impressive four, especially that uh, 2-0 win over Manchester United this past weekend. Now, Bournemouth at home, but last year, the away teams actually won both of these head-to-head matchups. 3-2 to two was the exact scoreline in both, so it's a very tough one to predict. Are Tottenham actually legit, or is this a misstep opportunity? I think that they're going to pick up the money line victory at minus 105. But my Bournemouth hatred has been noted on this show, so that is where my personal lean lies. Then we got Arsenal minus 450 versus Fulham at plus 1050. Arsenal with two victories from two, but when you knock off Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace, you're not exactly beating the cream of the crop. Now Fulham, they dropped a 3-0 result to Brentford. They took a red card in that matchup, and they also have a victory over Everton, so it's very tough to gauge them as well. And I think this match day three matchup is going to show us a lot about both of these clubs. Now, Arsenal won 3-0 on the road and 2-1 at home. 
So this is why this spread is scaring me a little bit. Minus one and a half at minus 155 is a little bit juiced. I may actually live bet this game, wait five to 10 minutes into the match, hope for no goals, and then go ahead and bet that spread at a better number. But unless I see that number fall, I might just be tuning in on EPL match day. Then you got Everton plus 130 versus Wolves at plus 215. Both winless teams already battling for their lives. Everton, they lost 4-0 to Villa, and they also lost to Fulham. Wolves lost 4-1 to Brighton and 1-0 to United. I just really hate both of these teams here. I don't want to bet either. I also don't want to watch this matchup. I think it's the absolute snoozer of the week. But if you are looking for an idea, maybe under 2.5 at minus 135. My concern is that while neither team has a major scoring threat up front, they also both defend relatively well, especially on the Wolves' side. So I think that the under is the way to go in that game. Speaking of a team that beat Wolves, Manchester United at minus 320 versus Nottingham Forest at plus 790. I don't know what to make of United after their first two. They have three points over Wolves, was very unconvincing. Then they lose to Spurs, not taking their chances. Forrest just stole three points off Sheffield, but now have a tough road test versus United. The United spread is where I'm looking at this one. It is going to be an official show play later in the show, and we'll let you know what that number is in a few minutes. Brentford plus 110 versus Crystal Palace at plus 280. Brentford with the dream start to the season. Palace had a great first week, then fell off to Arsenal. And so I do like Brentford here at home. I don't know if I like it enough to bet it, but... Both teams to score is another one that I'm looking at. I do think that Palace do find a way to break through like Fulham was unable to. And a big reason why they didn't was because of that red card. But Brentford dream start. I do lean money line, but I would play both teams to score as a better option. Brighton's minus 190 versus West Ham at plus 450. After how Brighton have looked through two weeks, I'm not seeing a lot of West Ham spreads out there. They did just beat Chelsea at home, so they do have a little bit of momentum, but it's definitely not a route that I'm going to go with my money this weekend. I will tune into this game as it is the late one on Saturday, but that might be about it, especially seeing Brighton at minus 190 favorites. Then as we head into Sunday, Burnley plus 235 versus Villa at plus 115. Villa are the most Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team to open up the campaign. They get absolutely blown out by Newcastle. And then they blow out Everton in their second matchup. Burnley, we haven't seen since the opener. This is one that I would maybe look at double chance for them to potentially get a result. They are the best promotion side record last year. And I think the fact that they have company as a manager is huge. So I would look at the double chance there. Sheffield United plus 1500 at home against Manchester City at minus 550. Sheffield, unfortunate to be sitting on zero. Things are not getting any easier for them. I'm not going to bet against City, but I'm also not going to bet with them, given no Kevin De Bruyne. Holland has struggled the last couple games as well. This does feel like one of those games where he gets right and pots a couple, but I'm not going to be the one to bet it. I will tune in, but I will not put my money down. And then the matchup of the weekend has to be Newcastle plus 125 versus Liverpool at plus 195. Very clearly the matchup of the weekend I won't be playing it. I will be tuning in. Two teams with a great performance and a poor one to start their campaigns, but I am revved up for this matchup. Cannot wait to watch. So we broke down what to look for. Now it is time for our last call pick segment. 
This is where we go through and give you our betting plays for the weekend. But before we do, let's play that promo video. Now, Last Mountain Distillery is family-owned and operated, located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro-distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high-quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some great products like their dill pickle vodka. They're old-fashioned as well, and even their local vodka. Enjoyed one last night while I was tuning into some sports. So go and check out Last Mountain Distillery. Really appreciate them supporting the show. So we got two plays for you. Let's give them to you, and then we'll head on over to that NFC North preview. Manchester United minus one and a half versus Forest at minus 120. United are a bit dinged up. No Luke Shaw and a couple others. But I think this is their home get right spot after not taking many chances their first couple of weeks. They beat Nottingham 3-0 at home, 2-0 on the road last year. And I am very no and I am very low on Nottingham season-wise. So I see a stumble here and United picking up a convincing three points. And then from out of left field, we're going to give you our first college football play of the season for week zero. It is USC minus 30 and a half versus San Jose State at minus 110. Steep spread, I know. It is week zero, but you have Caleb Williams at plus 500 to win the Heisman at home versus a team that has an over-under win total line of five and a half. I think he scores a ton of points here, puts his stamp on this being his award to win this year. So give me USC to win by five scores in this opening matchup. But I really appreciate everyone that listened in today. Go follow us on social media at HedgePod as we post all of our picks there daily. Check out our show sponsors that we talked about as well. And let's have a profitable week and enjoy the NFC North preview. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. This is the third day we are looking at NFL divisions. The first two are in the AFC. We looked at the East and the North. Now we're going to head over to one of the toughest divisions to predict in the opposite conference, that being the NFC North. And I'm joined today by one of the few Lions fans that I know, but he's definitely a dedicated one. He is the host of the Reigns Radio. I think that he's probably the the biggest golf truth, truther that I know. Um, but he's a part of Off the Ball Network as well. That's Cole Reigns. How's it going, buddy? Oh, we're going. Uh, excited for football season to start. And then the fact that we're talking about it and it's getting crisper outside. It's getting more excited as the NFL is coming because, yeah, you and I are just saying we're tired of betting baseball and the dog days. So football's on the horizon, and my lines are opening it up <laughs> for better or for worse. So. So I know that there was probably a bit of excitement around the Lions last year, given they were hard knocks, and then there was the the thoughts that they could be a bit more competitive. But this has probably got to be the most excited you've been for a Lions season since, what, the Stafford-Calvin Johnson days? There was one year after Johnson left, we had, like, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, and the defense yeah. was solid. I think that was a – we were an eight- or nine-win team. Well, we were, like, going to be competitive that year. That was the only one. The fact that it's eluding me – goes to show you that we're not it wasn't that memorable because we probably didn't make the playoffs but yeah i probably megatron years which i was a kid and i was a kid at that time probably 13 14 so that was he was a superman to me but uh 
Yeah, pretty close. Last year, it's it's tough to rival last year's excitement. Like you're getting in Hutchinson, who's homegrown. I'm a Michigan football guy, so like getting him in, seeing all the Dan Campbell clips, like especially after what the season was before when we celebrated one win against the Vikings, like it was a Super Bowl. <laughs> so um, last year would be tough to rival, but uh, we'll, I guess we'll have to see how I feel opening night because uh, nerves, excitement, all of it as a fan. It's first time. We were the our only nationally televised game last year was the final game of the regular season. Now we got the first one. So goes to show you people are excited. I'm excited. So we'll see. Things are maybe changing for Detroit. Maybe a, a, a change in the tide, we'll say, of starting to win some some meaningful football games. And I think it started with that last one against the Packers. But speaking of last year in this division, now it was a runaway division winner, which I think people were pretty surprised by. With the Minnesota Vikings going 13 and four, the Lions went nine and eight, just missing the playoffs, and the Packers went eight and nine. And then you had the Bears. Actually, one of my best predictions of all of last year was the Bears to be the worst team in the league at plus a thousand, and they deliver by going three and 14. Now, Minnesota, they fell to the Giants in the playoffs. Typical Kirk Cousins, the lights are brightest, and he doesn't deliver. And then not a lot of noise outside of the regular season. But Cole, what are your overall thoughts on the division last year? As I said, Lions going nine and eight above five hundred. That's got to be a, a nice change. But but what did you think overall? You know the Vikings. We beat them at the end of the year, and we held them close. I think when I say we, the Lions. But the Lions held them close, and I think it was a week four or five matchup last year. Um, it was one the Lions had struggled out the gates, and then they went on their eight and one run at the end. But the Vikings kind of just ran away in one score games uh i think they had seven or eight of them where i don't know if that trend's gonna stop or what the deal is there you lose dalvin cook with the vikings who is obviously a game changer aaron Rodgers is out of the division with green bay um the vikings kind of tailed off near the end of the year too that was one of those where like they beat up on a lot of bad teams won a lot of one score games and then it was like everyone coming into that giants game was like oh my god the giants are gonna upset them and then the giants upset them so coming into this year i like I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I think the Vikings are going to finish in last place. Um, I, I, wow. just, I, I, I don't okay. love the team and I think every other team got better and they got worse. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Justin Jefferson being offensive player of the year last year, he couldn't have done any more for that team. And let's be honest, the Vikings stole a couple games. I think that record's a little bit inflated because you talk about that Bills game where all you have to do is not fumble on the goal line. And we're talking about, you know, a 12 and five team. And then, as you said, a lot of other one score victories. So they were in a lot of games and they just figured out a way to squeak them out. Now, a lot of optimism for all the teams in this division this year. I think the Vikings being the defending division champs still got Kirk and Justin Jefferson. So there's going to be some excitement there. Then you've got the Lions. They added a ton of defensive help. You've got the Packers. They're starting Jordan Love, the new era there. And then the Bears, they improved, I'd say substantially, um, but they were also the worst team in the league. So where that puts them, I'm not quite sure. And so some new weapons for Justin Fields in year two. But let's start with the Vikings. Now, they are not the favorites to win the division. They're plus 275. They're plus 1450 right now to win the NFC I would not recommend betting them to win the NFC this year. But as you mentioned, very different look to this team. Adam Thielen's gone. Dalvin Cook's gone. Irv Smith's gone. On the defensive side, Peterson's gone. Smith's gone. A ton of other pieces. 
And then I was very surprised by the lack of replacements when you really look at it on paper. Davenport is fine. Byron Murphy from Arizona is nice. You add Addison in the draft, which, I mean, I think he's being very overdrafted in drafts right now. People are very high on this guy to be a game changer in this offense. And then you drafted Blackman from USC. So we alluded to it. Minnesota, they win a ton of close games. What should the expectations be this year? Do you think that they're justifiably the second best team? You've already said that you have them finishing last. So let's go through why you think they're the worst team this year. When I say last, I'm not saying they're going to be like three or four wins less than the Bears or Packers, but I think this is a six or seven win team this year, Ken. And I think outside of the Lions, I think the Bears and the Packers are a six and seven win team. And the thing I'm hitting on most here is just the sheer lack of depth. Alexander Madison is not a pinnacle of health at the running game. The offensive line's not great. If you lose a guy like Bradbury, if you lose like a Darisaw on your left tackle, then you're then you're really getting into it where and, and, and speaking of pinnacles of health, Hawkinson's not that great at, as a, a tight end being healthy either, and we lost Irv Smith there too. So when you're starting to look at what the Vikings may have, may not have throughout the year, and their schedule is going to get tougher because they're a first-place schedule, and the division's getting better, so you have six games against better teams than what you saw last year in a division you already kind of struggled with. Packers kicked the hell out of you at the end of the year. Lions beat you and the Bears are a significantly better team. I just can't write in three to four wins as them in the division. I'm probably looking at one to two, and that's probably going to be a Bears and a Packers at home game that they could probably win, but I just don't love what I'm seeing out of them, and I don't like speaking injuries into the air, but if you want to like really talk injuries and depth issues, if Justin Jefferson tweaks an ankle, feels something weird in his knee and misses a few games we saw how important he was to that offense and scoring touchdowns last year if he misses three or four games in the wrong stretch of games too then then you're probably looking i would be comfortable saying probably four or five win team i just don't i do not love what i'm seeing out of minnesota this year i know there's a lot of kirk believers online that'll probably be yelling at me but i just don't love what you i mean everything you said minnesota didn't really reload that much defense is okay and just, but like for me, it's the depth. Me, so where depth. where would you have Kirk in the division if you're ranking quarterbacks? Because I I have Goff one. I think you would as well. Um, what what after that? So it's tough because Fields is such a a, a, a unique quarterback. I, I almost have like a one A one B with Goff and Fields because when you at the end of the day, when you are scheming against Jared Goff he has more weapons than a Kirk Cousins, where if you put Kirk on the Lions, it's probably, you're, you're probably looking at a comparable quarterback, but you take, you're, you're ranking them on the teams that they play for currently. And yeah. I think Goff is probably 1A and Fields is 1B. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel comfortable ranking that, but I feel like at the end of the year, the Bears kind of figured, and I don't want to spoil anything for when we talk Bears, but the Bears kind of figured out how to use Fields effectively. Yeah. And he was a monster running 100 yards a game. And if he can figure out the passing game, getting them DJ Moore, signing Cole Komet, getting some pass blocking help, that's that feels like something that, you know, the Bears are going to be a better passing offense. And I feel like Fields is a effective quarterback in what they've carved out for him. So I have, like I said, Golf 1A and 1B and Cousins would be behind them. I think I think I'd take Golf and Fields for this year only over Cousins. But like I said, if you put Cousins on the Lions, I'm taking Cousins over Golf pure talent wise. But you can't do that. And I'm taking Kirk Cousins, the quarterback of the Vikings at three. 
Okay. So I would have Kirk currently at two. Okay. I think that he's just ahead of Fields. I need to see a bit more. I agree that I think late in the year they figured it out and, and Fields was rushing for 100 yards, but I need to see him play a bit better down the stretch in games. That was one knock on him last year was that he also lost them some games, turning the ball over, throwing some critical interceptions. Now, that being said, I think the Vikings are still the second best team for me, at least until proven otherwise. For me, Chicago, they did make some great moves. I don't know if they made enough to surpass Minnesota. Like We're talking about a nine-win turn, and I know that there's a lot of close games. If those go the opposite, then we're talking about Minnesota being in that range that you're at. That being said, them being second best, I think that this is a one-playoff team division. I really do. I don't think that I can see the Lions being similar to Minnesota last year, not quite 13 and four, but looking in that 11 and six, 12 and five range, then we're talking about Minnesota being eight or nine win team. And then you maybe have one of Chicago or Green Bay sitting at seven or eight, and then one of them a little bit lower. But for me, what's alarming is that Minnesota's offense wasn't an issue last year. They had plenty of opportunities to score. And we mentioned earlier, no Thielen, no Dalvin, no Irv Smith. Injury concerns with Hawkinson and is Addison and Osborne enough alongside Justin Jefferson to really make this offense go with Madison? I question if it is, and that defense is horrendous. <laughs> they were one of the worst defenses in the league. I think they were second most points against, and they were like second most yards given up. And then we're talking about all the defensive players that they lost, and I'm like, who the hell is playing defense for Minnesota anymore? I, I truly don't know. I'd have to go through their depth chart to find some real talent. But I think that plus 275, it's not something that I'm willing to look at. I would not bet Minnesota to win this division. For me, it's going to be the next team that we talk about that is the team to bet on. But yeah, I have a lot of concerns. I think that I actually kind of like their coach. I am a big fan of yeah. O'Connell, but I just don't know if the talent's truly there. What is their over-under at for wins? Is it over-under last time I looked was, I believe, nine and a half. I'd be comfortable taking that under. And when I say, like, last place in the division, I don't think it's, like, they are six wins and the Packers are eight wins and the Bears are eight wins. I think the Bears, Packers, and Vikings are all a six to eight win range. I think that's a, a, a game separating. Maybe the Vikings end eight and nine. But I just don't feel comfortable about this team this year. I, I I like Kirk Cousins. He's a good quarterback. But like I said, injury issues. So, so I said nine and a half. Game. Some books have eight and a half. Would you I, feel I comfortable on under eight and a half? Because under eight and a half is plus 100 grade. If it's yeah. plus money, then my gambling side is going to come out and tell you, yeah. Um, nine and a half, I feel a lot more comfortable at. But eight and a half, I would entertain. Just because, like I said, you have a first place schedule and you're playing six games against three better teams in your division. So, and you were already losing one possession game, or you were winning one possession games last year. And like you said, you beat some bad teams. The Lions kicked your butt in the end of the season. Packers kicked your butt in the end of the season. I don't like how they ended their season last year. I'm kind of lost on them. I, I, like, I understand why people see it. They're the division champions. It's why people bet on the Yankees every year. But at one point, the Yankees are going to stop being the Yankees. And I'm not comparing the Vikings to the Yankees, but like. I mean, it could be kind of like the Yankees this year where there was expectations and then now you're one of the worst teams in the AL. So I do get the comparison there for sure. But I just, I, I, I think I just need to see it from Green Bay. I need to see it from Chicago because I know that there, 
Minnesota got worse, they got better, but but how much have they yep. gotten worse and how much have these other teams gotten better? And the team that's gotten probably the the most together now is Detroit because yes. they're plus 140, they're plus 875 to win the NFC. Now, a lot of changes still on this team, and but you found replacements. I think that's the big difference between you and Minnesota is that, yeah, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are gone, but... David Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs are there. So I just think that you guys are in a fine spot. And then you added CJ Gardner Johnson in the secondary. Jack Campbell, I like that draft pick in the first round. One that you were kind of getting clowned on, which I thought was really odd the night of. And then you see him in preseason and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. The Lions good. draft was so interesting. I don't mean to interrupt, Ken, but the Lions draft yeah. was so interesting. This is coming from a Lions fan. You know, you're kind of covered on all the people. On, on all the positions that are coveted by people, you know, your wide receivers, your left and right tackles, your defensive ends, you have the Aiden Hutchinson's, you have the Penny Sewell's, you have the, the Jamison Williams, the Amon Raz. You, you're not going to the pr- traditional value, you know, once you get into there. I wanted Jalen Carter really bad. Yeah. I don't know if that was a an attitude thing. I read Campbell didn't like his attitude, which if you're talking about a guy that is going to rate attitudes and Corral locker room. I'm going to take him 10 times out of 10 in the NFL, but um, I really like Campbell. The one that I really, I think is going to be like all pro maybe defensive player of the year in a couple of years is branch. Brian branch yeah. is going to be a problem. I don't, I like, I don't know if he's going to be slot corner. I don't know if he's going to play safety for us, but he's just going to be a jackknife that is wreaking havoc everywhere. And yep. getting CD deuce in front of him. And kind of tootling him into becoming a all-pro safety, the Derwin James level safeties, the C.D. Deuce level safeties. I think that's going to be the one where people look back on and be like, holy hell, he fell to the second round because of positional value. He doesn't play a position people traditionally value, and here we are. So, So the thing with Detroit for me, at least from the betting perspective, is I actually don't know if I would bet them right now to win the division. And the only reason why I say that is because, as you said, you open up with the Chiefs, which is not an easy game for anyone in the entire league. They've been proving that for years. But you get that Seattle game. I think that you guys should win that one at home. But I would almost wish that you would drop it only because then I think that the odds probably go to closer to plus 200 to win this division. And then you can find some better value there because – Plus 140 for a division future in a league where you're one hit away from not having a quarterback. That's what concerns me about making a a future bet like that. But that being said, you guys addressed a lot of things on defense. That was your Achilles heel last year. Um, As you said, you've got guys like Sewell, you've got Amon Ra, you've got uh, Gibbs back there, Demont. I just think that there's a lot of playmakers on both sides of the football in Hutchinson as well going into year two. I just think that you guys are in a really good spot. Um, I'm curious to see that opening night matchup. Like, do you think that you're keeping it close with Kansas City in the opener? Like, do you think that you've done enough to to really battle a team like that? I think it's going to be like that Rams-Chiefs game from a couple years back, that Monday night game where it was like 50 to 45. Like, like I think it's going to be like offenses are cooking, um, defenses are catching up a little bit. Um, but if there was a coach that like – and I, and I'm a Campbell guy. I like, I, he could step on my child accidentally and I still <laughs> think he's Jesus Christ. So, um, but 
he he is like the guy you want coming into any game, especially night one of the 2023 regular season against the defending champs. I want that guy on my side pumping up. I, I don't I don't know if he knows X's and O's that great, but you he's got, a motivator. You got, he's a player coach. He's yeah. got the other guys there to do the X's and O's a bit more, but and I, I just like I like I think this division, and this is gonna kind of sound weird, but I think it's gonna come a lot from like mojo. Like, like there's a lot of good mojo about around the line this Lions team. There's a lot of good mojo around this Bears team. I'll touch on it. There's a lot of good mojo about the Packers team too. Just getting the bad man that does ayahuasca out of there. Um, the Vikings, I don't, I don't get that good mojo around them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's kind of where, like, like at the end of the day, like everyone had good mojo around the Eagles coming into the season last year. Everyone had pretty good mojo around the Lions. Like, like the teams that you expect to be good traditionally are good. The ones that you hear good things about are good, and like that. That's why, like heading into Week One, everything is trending like all oh, the lines should be in this game. I don't know if they win it, but I don't think we're gonna walk away embarrassed like we were that Monday Night Football game after Patricia got hired. We got her freaking teeth now. Well, by the sounds of it, you're not gonna be in on Kirk Thuggins this year like they they were all of last year. And to be honest, I think the team kind of rode with that, and I don't know if they'll be able to do that throughout the whole year. Whereas I think Detroit's the most complete team in the division. They're the most ready to win it. I think a lot of people are trying to pick against them because they feel like they're being overhyped. But when you really dive into the off seasons, like they did it right. They, they address some of their needs. Obviously the Jamison Williams situation is tough, but he'll be back eventually this year. And I just think that you guys are in a good spot. And my thing too, with the, with the criticism against the lions, a lot of it comes from like, well, it's the lions, the lions yeah. are the lions. Um, You're the Browns don't... of the NFC. That's the way that they view it. Of oh, wow. The Browns are going to Browns, but they, they don't know how to win games. They aren't a winning culture. And I'd argue that like heading into week 17 against the Packers after the Seahawks stole that game from the Rams, which I'll never forgive Baker Mayfield for, but like yeah. the Lions had legitimately nothing to play for. And I've seen that game a million times. Aaron Rodgers comes in and just kicks our freaking teeth in. Like in, and felt like a culture change winning that game. Yeah. And it was one of those where it was like, Oh, we're still playing to win. We're drawing up hook and ladders on fourth down in the fourth quarter. Like this team is like, this team wants to win no matter the, the time, the place, the situation. So I think that that is a serious culture change that I think people could look back at that game um, as we get our Super Bowl tape for 2024 um, uh, <laughs> and point to that game being the culture change. <laughs> get that tape ready for 2024. I love it. Okay, well, <laughs> speaking of, uh, <laughs> wow, that was, that was too funny. Um, Let's move over. Let's chat Green Bay, who they're tied for worst odds to win the division. They're plus 2250. This is where they differ from Chicago. They're plus 2250 compared to plus 2700 for the Bears. And very different looking Green Bay roster. Departure of Aaron Rodgers. He took all of his best friends with him. Lazard and Cobb. Tanyan's not there. Jordan Love going to be at the helm. And they drafted him a wide receiver which Aaron couldn't get for like a decade but Jaden Reed's going to be there for Michigan State they've got Watson and Dobbs who are in their second year and then they got a bit better on the defense that was a very overhyped defense last year and we saw that throughout the regular season when they were pretty mid-tier we kept hearing about how they were going to be top five or ten in the league but I think with the Packers it boils down to quarterback play 
and I am not a fan of Jordan Love. I think everyone really wants Jordan Love to be the next Green Bay quarterback. I know that you don't because you're a Lions fan and you've watched enough of that in your oh, lifetime. Oh, but... oh, oh, I'm still in Wisconsin, Ken. <laughs> I, I love the Packers this year. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I, I like. I seriously love really? the this year. I do. And I but, might but be... You're in on Jordan Love this year. I'm not in on Jordan Love, the player. I'm in on not having Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback. Because, like, you talked... You spoke to, like the wide receivers never getting drafted for Rodgers. Well, when they drafted him a rookie wide receiver, dude wasn't eating lunch with Rodgers and Rodgers. Oh, I'll be honest. As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is Rodgers last year because there's no way that doing that to Christian Watson early in the season, because he dropped a ball as a rookie. I thought that that was Bush league on his part. So you like, uh, you want to talk about culture changes, and I think it's a culture change for the better. Like Rodgers was, I mean, Rodgers is probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Like, I like you, yeah. I, Mahomes rivals it, but like growing up, that guy was. Cryptic. I'm a Cowboys fan. He still haunts me. Yeah, well, he he threw he's gotten multiple Harold Marys over on us, but <laughs> um, but getting him out of there, I don't think the relationship with. Uh, LaFleur was as pretty as what people thought. Um, I don't think the relationship in the locker room was as pretty as they thought. And you start looking at this lineup, the offensive line's a little better. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are probably a top eight to 10 running back pairing. Like you, and that defense is really good. I don't think love is going to have to be great. I think love can be like a Jimmy G and they can get away winning seven or eight games. And, Everything I've read out of camp, everything I've heard around Wisconsin is that Luke Musgrave is like real deal Holyfield level of tight end, which that's, I mean, we're in Wisconsin, people are biased, I get it, but the the, the Romeo Dobbs, the Jaden Reeds, the Christian Watsons, the Luke Musgraves, those guys are going to be getting the ball now because Rodgers yeah. isn't going to be throwing to Randall Cobb. So, I mean, I, I could be very well wrong on the Green Bay Packers, and I'll know week one because, like, love just doesn't look like it. But I just feel like there's too much talent. We've seen that kind of quarterback win games around the roster that's made up around them. It's going to be tough for me to, to, to not see seven to eight wins for this team. And that's kind of where, like, I think they're going to finish right around where the Vikings finish. So Yeah. I would say – I agree on the LaFleur and Rodgers pairing because kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson and Larry Brown. Like when you're winning games all is well, but you're, you've got your star player who's a bit of a problem off the field and he goes on Pat McAfee every week and talks about his amazing plays and then doesn't really get asked the hard questions of how things went wrong. And if he does, then it's someone else's fault. And the time had come for him to depart and they probably could have done it a year earlier if they truly wanted. This just felt like a last dance, but if MJ was on the wizards, so that's why they missed the playoffs. And now I, from what I've seen of Jordan love, which is very limited, it's been preseason action. It's been like a week or two if Rogers is out. I just haven't been that impressed. I do think that he has an opportunity to be good because you've got Watson and Dobbs. You talked about the tight end, like, there's weapons there to be successful in that offense. And he has a running game. Like, that's huge for a young it is quarterback. Huge. I just so, don't think – I still don't think that this defense is where people think it's at. And 
I worry in this division because you're going to go up against Goff. You're going to go up against Fields. You're going to go up against Kirk, who are all guys that can put up points. I don't know if Green Bay can match teams on the points side. So that's my concern with him. I'm very my, curious to see if he's going to prove me wrong. I've heard a lot of people who are Jordan Love truthers. My, I'm not a Jordan Love truther. Not you, not you. I'm just saying in general. We've seen Jimmy G get to an NFC championship game. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. where I'm like, you don't have to be Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen to win eight games, nine games in this league. And but to counter what you're saying, Jimmy G's doing that with a top five defense and weapons out the wazoo. I don't think that his weapons are there yet. I mean, we're talking about Watson and Dobbs in their second year. I do think that they're going to improve, but they're not Kittle, Debo. Like, no, I, I don't disagree guys. with you there yeah. too. But like, I'm not talking about the Packers winning the division. I'm talking about the Packers like winning seven to eight games. And as I look at the schedule, you get the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions a couple times, which that's a tough division to play. But outside the division, you get Falcons. You get the Rams, which who knows what they look like. The Bucks, the Panthers. So that feels like four wins right there. And then you're looking, they're over-unders at seven and a half. You need four more, which I, I think. Mean, I mean, the thing with, that benefits them is, first of all, they're playing a third-place schedule. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you play the NFC East, but you play the Giants. You get to avoid the, the Eagles and Cowboys there. You do have to play the AFC West, which is not easy. Like, you're going to probably going to drop games to, you know, some good teams there. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not in on Green Bay. My wife's going to hate me. Probably going to sleep on the couch tonight because of it because she's a diehard Packers fan. But I've been bugging her all offseason that I think this is a 5-6 win team. We'll find out, I think, that opening night. Because I think, I think, this is going to distinguish for me, okay, is this a new Chicago? Because they're at home and they're not playing Rodgers. But if Green Bay goes in and beats them on the road with Jordan Love, then – I might change my tune. Even yeah, based I think off that's going to be the ugliest game of football you'll ever watch. But. Oh, I'm not going to even watch it. I'll probably I... find something to do that night. But and and the other thing too is like once you start looking at the Packers, they play in that Lambo, which is a frozen tundra up there. You get into games November, December. I'm taking Jones and Dylan over most people that are going to see in that. And I just. I... It's, it's not a win total game. that I'm betting because I also know that you get the NFC South, which yeah. that in itself is is a massive benefit. That kind of offsets having to face the AFC West for me. So Agreed. let's cap it off. Final team of the division, plus 2,700 to win the conference. I'm seeing a lot of Justin Fields for MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. Bears have also been a bit of a trendy pick to win this division of did they improve so much that and Justin Fields figures out how to win some of those close games that they win the division. I'm not personally buying into it. For me, they're the third best team in the division. They're just behind Minnesota and ahead of Green Bay. But they they did a lot this offseason. You bring in DJ Moore. He's got a legitimate trio now with Moore, Claypool, and Mooney. I think that's a nice trio. Komet, they kept him. They drafted Darnell Wright in the first round. And then second, third round, they went D-tackle, corner, D-tackle. I think the defense has significantly improved as well. And they got Rashawn Johnson. Like, yeah. like, I don't think that's a nothing move either in the fourth, which... Nope, definitely not. So when I look at Chicago, I do think that third best in this division is an eight-win team, which is where I have Chicago. But what do you think of the Bears? 
Uh, they're going to be in that glut of six to eight wins with the Vikings. But one of the Vikings, Packers, and Bears, they're going to have six wins, seven wins, and eight wins. I don't know which is going where. If I had to guess, I think it would be Packers eight, Bears seven, and Vikings six. Very low on the Vikings, though. But I think the Bears, they have a pretty easy schedule. The defense got better. They brought in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, which is not nothing because nice they were terrible last year. And – they're just gonna run on you, and like you talked of, like I, like how I was speaking about the Packers. Like when you play on the NFC North, the winner comes around, and you don't want to tackle big bodies. Justin Fields is a big body. Uh, Herbert's a, a, a big shifty body. Deontay Foreman's a big body. Like they got so like it's gonna be. They're gonna win ugly, but they're gonna win. And I think DJ Moore is a is a huge piece of that. Um, getting him, getting Fields a trusted number one and getting more a quarterback that knows how to throw a football because, my God, if you look at the quarterbacks he's ever played with. But the Bears and the Packers, I feel like, are going to finish a game apart or with a similar record, and they'll both be better than the Vikings. Um, What is their over-under at? Uh, I think last time I looked at Chicago was six and a half. I think they're a seven to eight win team. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I don't think – I, like I said, I don't know. It's going to be a glut of those three are all going to finish similar, and I think the Lions are a 10 or 11 win team at the end of the day. I think the division is going to be pretty close. But Well, th- well, this is one that's going to be tough for you then. It's actually sitting at seven and a half. Oof. And that's where the Packers are at as well. Oof. So I, t- I would lean under Packers over Bears. Bears. I don't hate that. Like, man, like I'm going to bet that after the game one of the regular season. Bears Packers on September 10th. Like I feel like like the winner of that goes over and the loser of that goes under. But yeah. they go Packers Bears. Ooh, they have Chiefs Week Three and then they have Broncos. So that's probably two and two. Commanders yeah. Vikings Raiders, which feels like three wins. Solo on the Vikings, I can't. <laughs> I am loving this Vikings eight. <laughs> Chargers so. Saints feels like two tough ones. I feel like the Saints will be better. And then they go Panthers. That feels like a win, but then Lions, Vikings, Lions, Browns is not an easy four. If you go 500 there, you're happy. Yeah. But they end with Cardinals, Falcons, and Packers. Two and one, three and oh type finish. Mm -hmm. So, like, their schedule, I mean, they have a fourth place schedule, so you know it was going to be pretty cupcake in comparison to others. I think the team's going to be a strong seven or eight one team. I think the Packers get seven and the Bears get eight. I'm with you on that under and over, but I think it's a game apart. So, okay, so we broke down the over unders throughout. We talked about where we have teams finishing. So for you, it's a one, a one playoff team division being your Lions. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't. So know. I'm genuinely curious then. So if we're going one one division. Uh, one playoff team in this division. So you would have two or three in the East. Because we're assuming Philly Dallas. Okay. So that takes you to three NFC South. Two. Who's your two in the South? I like the Falcons. Falcons Saints. No, I think that Falcons defense is really good. And the Saints are a much better team with Derek Carr at the home. Um, I think the Falcons are probably a nine, one team. And then in the West, you would take 49ers and is it Seattle? Is it the Rams get back on track with Stafford? What do you think? Everything I've heard about, and, and this is Lions bias, 100% Lions bias. But 
everything I've heard is Stafford is healthy again and that his arm is healthy and McVay's staying and Donald's staying and Akers is back healthy. And I'm going Rams. I think You're going the Rams to get in? Yeah, and I, I think that division is ugly, like ugly. I don't think Brock Purdy's the guy. I think he – He's going to be a guy that really banks on how good the rest of that roster is. Yeah. And because it's like, so clearly the best in that division that we drafted the other night. We talked about how injury prone guys like Kittle and McCaffrey are, which. And even Purdy's, without them, they still have so many weapons that they're probably okay. Purdy's coming off what? He tore his UCL, right? Yeah. Um, so Trey Lance, that, who knows? <laughs> I think that division is tough. I think that team is not great. I, I think the NFC is not good. Oh, the I, NFC is horrendous. We talked about this on the AFC North show. Seven of the eight best quarterbacks in the league are probably in the AFC. And then you would say nine and ten. You could put Dak and Goff nine and ten. Wow, that's generous. Dak and Goff might be the same quarterback. I'm not sure yet. No, Goff and or Dak and Cousins are the same quarterback. Yeah. But um, Goff, I would have nine. I think that Goff's ahead of Prescott. I think he's yeah. done more. If everyone stays healthy, like, Goff's such a unique case. He's probably my, like, NFC North MVP, if that's what, if that, if we're going to do that. Yeah. Um, he's such a unique case, though, because if everyone stays healthy, he's probably contending for NFL MVP. Like, if Williams comes back and is the burner that they need, and Laporte is the first-round talent that he is, and Gibbs is everything they want him to be, like a Debo Samuel type, I could probably throw for 50 yards in that offense, you know, like, so <laughs> I like, I don't, it's tough. Like they are built like a 49ers, like, 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 you know, like all those weapons and then plug a above average to average quarterback. in. Yeah. Uh, who's your breakout player in the division? In this division? Uh-huh. Breakout player in this division. That's a good question. I think that Khalil Herbert, I, I like Herbert too. I'm a huge fan of his. I drafted him last year in fantasy. Obviously, Demont, he was in and out of the lineup, but when he was in, Herbert kind of sat behind him. I think that this is his opportunity to take that backfield. And I think there's going to be so much worry of fields busting an 80 yard run that Herbert's going to have some nice runs of his own. So I, I agree. I think that offense is going to be very run heavy and it's going to be Fields and Herbert and it's going to look really good. So that would be my breakout. I thought I, really I think it's Musgrave or Laporta. I really do. One of like, those I think one of I think one of those tight ends are just gonna break. I don't know which like and be like top eight in fantasy type guys. Top like six. Five. Five, maybe like five I mean six. tight ends pretty bad, so I guess yeah, I like, I'd say like probably five or six. Like Okay. I it depends on how they use them because Laporta comes from Iowa, which we know how Iowa uses tight ends. You see Kittle. Kittle's like Kittle will catch a touchdown here and there, but Kittle's not out there to catch touchdowns. Yeah. Okay, so the most important question to cap it off. If the Lions are the only playoff team, do they get a playoff win this year? Yeah. Now, for, now, for me, I think that they get a playoff win so long as they aren't the four seed. If you're the four seed and you have to play Philly or Dallas, then I get worried. I think they beat Dallas. I don't love Dallas Ooh. this year. Okay. I like, well, I'm, I'm a Dallas big, fan, so I'm obviously biased, and that's going to yeah. make for a fascinating episode if we actually get Lions-Cowboys, because that'll definitely be a, a discussion, and you'll be back on here to defend your Lions. But 
I think that if you're the three, knowing that you're going to play Seattle, Rams, Falcons, like I'm not yeah, worried about any of those. I really teams. like the Falcons this year. I, I, I don't know why. I don't love like kind of the same way. Like I kind of like Jordan Love is like how I like Desmond Ritter is like you have pieces like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan's a guy. Um, Algier was pretty good last year. Uh, defense was really good. Like, I just feel like that team is, and they're going to beat up on Bucks and Panthers more than likely. But man, I also like Panthers could win the NFC South too. I don't know. The NFC is so bad. The fact that like I'm talking about the Panthers and Lions potentially winning divisions is my 12 year old is like, my 12 year old self is wondering <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers like murdered half the league. So, well, Cole, I appreciate you hopping on. I hope that the Lions have a great year. Tell the Me folks too. where they can find your work at home. Um, it's been a minute, but in football season back up, uh, Reigns Radio on all platforms that you can listen to. And then obviously off the ball network, all that. Um, I'll be popping on shows here. So uh, Reigns Radio on Twitter and C Reigns 38 on Twitter as well. Uh, thanks for having me on, Ken. I'm looking forward to Lions Cowboys in the NFC Championship. Can't wait. It's going to be so much fun to watch it. And in no way are we delusional thinking that that's going to be where it goes. But appreciate everyone who listened to the episode today. And we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Edge.